what we do here is go back, 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 back. I might risk it. I might risk it all because it's so worth it. Yeah. Um, or else we're going to have to. I'm either going to have to find a new place to live or we're going to have to find a table for you. Well, so. yeah, I mean, I'm going to be up 350 bucks, so I don't mind dropping $24 <laughs> for a fold-out table at Home Depot. So. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Michael McDonald. With me, as always, is Andy McDonald. We had a hell of a divisional weekend. Had a hell of a vacation weekend. But how are you feeling? Um, Right now, I feel excellent. Thank you for asking. Um, You know, I'm not someone that may have spent their time in Vegas this weekend. So, you know, as you mentioned, we'll get into that. But I think, um, you know, you might have had a hell of a time and that's Excellent. Um, but it was a good weekend for football. Good, solid dose of some of the better teams in the NFL playing against each other. Excited to go through that a little bit with you um, and get into our second week of draft content with the running back group. So, you know, just a little outline of what we're going to discuss. We're going to go through some playoff games. Michael will give us a recap. Um, we will dive into the one game that we may have not seen you know, going a certain way. Um, I fell one way, Micah fell the other. You guys know the story. And then we'll get into our mortal locks, which spoiler, we both nailed. And then we'll get into our, our um, draft content, which is basically outlining the um, running back group this week. And it, it's one of those things where I think you have the top two or three dogs, um, just like any position. And then we're going to outline some, some guys that are in consideration because basically once he gets through, you know, whether it's three through five, four through six, there's a lot of hodgepodge, um, but just some um, players we wanted to outline and be able to discuss and then see where, you know, they could fit within teams and see where they can have strengths and, and be able to contribute to the, the overall NFL and, and where we might be going here. So we'll get into that. Michael will close us and we'll take it from there. So why don't you run us through divisional weekend EA sports? It's in the game. NFL divisional round. Here we are. We had some big games. Walk us through what happened this weekend. Yeah. So like you said, some really great games this weekend. We had two Saturday games, two Sunday games. First game on Saturday afternoon kickoff was the Rams versus the Packers. Packers ended up getting a W, winning 32 to 18. We both predicted the Packers to win, as we talked about previously. It would be a big, huge bummer if they were to have lost this game for both of our brackets. But they came out with a victory. Second game of that day was the Ravens and the Bills. Bills ended up winning 17-3. to We both projected the Bills to win. Sunday's slate, first game was Browns-Chiefs. We both had the Chiefs winning. The Chiefs ended up getting a W, 22-17. Last game on there, the one you were alluding to that we disagreed on, Saints versus the Bucks. Andy had the Bucks winning. I had the Saints winning. The Bucks unfortunately ended up getting a, getting a W, thirty to twenty, and all in all, it was a decent slate of games. None of them were very you know awesome or overwhelmingly amazing. They were kind of it was what it was. But uh, did you have any specific takeaways from? We'll start with the Saturday. Any specific takeaways? No, I, I mean I feel like it was it was a good slate of games, and you know I 
I think we were both anticipating the Ravens bills game to be a little bit more exciting than it was somewhat of a dull. Um, there was some snow, there was some weather that um, factored into that game. So, you know, all in all, it, it was a game that we could not predict though. And I think the bills won outright in a very convincing way. Um, happy that you were able to lock that in and see the benefits from that. So the Packers game, um, you know, I think that, you know, the, the Rams showed, showed what they could do and Aaron Donald wasn't hundred um, percent. I do think Jared Goff threw the ball better than I thought he would um, in Lambeau when it was cold, broken thumb, like I mentioned, or like we mentioned. So um, it, it was an interesting Saturday slate, not something that I was overwhelmed by, but happy to see the Packers and the Bills move on. What do you think? Any thoughts on the Saturday one? Um, nothing in particular. We kind of thought that the Rams might be able to keep it a little closer uh, than it was against Green Bay, but Aaron Rodgers came out and did his thing. Like I said, Aaron Donald, I think he only played like 50% of the game, if that. And Cooper Cup out too. You know, there was a lot of things going against the Rams, but end of the day, you, you know, Aaron Rodgers goes out there and just dices up the best defense in the league. So uh, Bill's Ravens, like you said, it was very underwhelming in the sense of what we thought could potentially happen. There are two things that I did not do this weekend. I did not get to watch a whole lot of these football games, and I did not include the Bills-Ravens over on a very awesome parlay bet that I put in this week being in Vegas. Thank goodness. Yes, thank goodness, because that one, <laughs> that I think it was, what did we look at, 48 and a half? It was 48 and a half, and, and, and just for everyone that is out there, I, I was pounding the table. I was like, dude, if you can get this on your parlay, because Micah was arriving to Vegas in the afternoon on Saturday, and I was like, dude, get this in your parlay for Sunday, and we'll talk about what his parlay ended up being. But I, I was like, 48 and a half, 49 points, that's nothing. It's 28, 21. This game was a snoozer. There was not a lot of great offense being showed. And, and I texted him, I was like, thank God that you did not do this and didn't listen to me, as many of you probably have felt during my mortal locks throughout <laughs> the year. So, yeah, I'll dive into that story in a second. But let's get to Chiefs Browns. That was that was very interesting because it, it was something ended up being, you know, a lot closer than you thought. Patrick Mahomes ended up getting hurt going out. Question mark on him for upcoming games but it actually ended up being a very very close game the browns had a, a semblance of a chance to possibly go out there and, and and win the game for the most part but that was a lot better of a game than it, it very well could have been yeah it was and, and and i think at first like the you know in the beginning of the game the chiefs really took on and they they moved the ball at will it was just like whatever they wanted to do they they could do and and they were able to capitalize on a lot of different matchups and, and really just overpowering the browns um not a very strong defense as we mentioned last week so they they settled for some field goals which was unfortunate um and then it was the Mahomes injury in the third quarter where the browns caught a little bit of momentum and it was like whoa this could actually happen you know so that's kind of where it got a little bit dicey but all in all, it was like 22 to 17. It was like a weird, such a weird score. Um, and the Browns, when they had the ball with that score, um, elected to punt on fourth and 11. And, you know, they had one timeout. So it was a little bit of a, of a questionable call, I guess. But they punted. Chiefs got the ball. Didn't look back. Chad Henney, you know, he, he was the guy from, for about a quarter and a half. Um, I think it was his second drive he threw. 
just one of the worst picks I've ever seen. It was, it was just like a, it was as if it's like, Hey, fourth and 10, I'm just going to throw this into the end zone. And it was like a punt. He just threw it straight up in the air. Carl Joseph, old Raider safety taken out of West Virginia. You know, he caught it. Congrats, Carl. He can catch, but it, it, it was just like, okay, everything's going in the Browns direction. and They just couldn't capitalize. They couldn't take advantage of, you know, a, a chief's team without Mahomes. but it was really just the fact that they had so many weapons like we, you know, we had talked about and, and really Andy Reed, Eric Bieniemy, and, you know, they executed and didn't give the Browns another chance. So um, it, it was a weird game. Like it was kind of a weird game, but it was one of those games where you're like, oh, this could get interesting. And then it wasn't and the Chiefs still won. So you're like, okay, but alas, 22 to 17, five point difference, Browns cover. So, you know, that's all we really have to say about that. So I'm good to move on to the Bucks Saints. Yeah. So, Buck Saints, the one that we disagreed on, the one that was going to make make or break our uh, our head to head that we had for this week. Be one thing if we all if we just went chalk on everything, but we had it's nice having something different. And and alas, I did not come out on top, unfortunately, in this one. But it was a very interesting game because it was essentially like which old guy was going to come out on top. And I mentioned it before on how Breeze seemed like he just didn't have it anymore. And I thought that maybe, I just thought that maybe had some trust. He could come back and really give it one last hoorah to, to get past Tom Brady. And, and it couldn't happen. He was having a very tough time throwing the ball down the field. They had to bring James Winston in to throw a deep bomb and score a touchdown. But once again, another game, I didn't get to watch the whole thing. I, I probably watched... A little more of this one than any of the other ones, if I had to guess, but it still wasn't a whole lot. You know, it's just one of those things that I think Tom Brady just kind of went down and he was, you know, he's getting old too, but he's able to push the ball down the field still. And he was able to sling it when he needed to. And Drew Brees made some costly turnovers and you had Jared Cook fumbled the ball. And that that was kind of a big time when things kind of turned around in that regard. It was kind of going back and forth there for a little while. And then they just had some costly turnovers that, you were updating me on because there were times I was in watching it and then out of it and then watching it again. So, you know, it was a, a great battle of the old guard and Tom Brady came out on top. Yeah, no, it, it, it was a good game and it, it was something that I was paying close attention to, but, you know, also like there, there were some ins and outs for me also, you know, but um, Saints actually in the, in the beginning, they were actually moving the ball a ton, you know, so they were able to get, get down the field they were able to get in scoring position, but they settled for some field goals. So that was more of a story that was told later where the Bucks defense kind of, you know, they were able to figure some things out and, and really it was, they changed their scheme a little bit with, you know, they stopped sitting in the soft coverage with breeze where he could just sit back and not have a ton of pressure and, and be able to dice them up. And, and they kind of moved into eight, nine guys across the line of scrimmage and played man and, and blitz breeze and, and just said, come get us, you know? So that really was able to expose his weakness, which is, you know, being able to get the ball out of his hands when he has pressure and being able to take shots down the field. And that's kind of where he was exposed a little bit. So um, I think it was, it was an interesting game. You know, the Bucks didn't play perfect by any means, but their defense showed up, which was, you know, over the last five or six games, the offense has carried them for the most part. Um, And it, it was a game that, you know, the Saints turned the ball over four times and the Bucks didn't. They turned the ball over no times. And it was that was the difference, you know, because the Bucks were able to capitalize on it. And really, once it came down to a two score game, the the Saints and, and Breeze was, you know, they weren't able to come back. So I'm happy that I came out on top 
on the weekend and, and was able to win that. But so it, it wasn't so like solidified. It wasn't such like a slam dunk that I crushed it. It was, it was just, it was kind of a weird game that worked out in the Bucks' favor. And there they are, you know, they're going to Lambeau to face Aaron Rodgers, and that's going to be a tall task. So we'll see how it goes, but you know, it came out fortunate there. Um, and another fortunate thing was our mortal lock. So, you know, when we did the preview pod last week, we went into it and, and you took bucks minus two and a half. And, and I was like, Hey, that's something I was considering, but I was, I was scared. I was too scared to take it. You know, I was like, I, I don't feel great about this game, but come to find out you crushed it, you know, and you nailed the bucks minus two and a half and they won convincingly that their defense showed out. So congrats to you. And, and I took, Obviously, I was like, I'm going to take the Bucks to win, so I'm going to take the Bucks plus three. So, um, you know, obviously, I won in that sense. But any thoughts on our moral locks? It's good to see a week that we both won. You know, there's there's no bantering. There's none of this back and forth of like who's better or not, and, and we can just both be victorious. You know, yeah, in moral yeah. locks. Yeah. No, I, I think it's great that we both won as well. Um, so I don't have much on it outside of the fact that. You know, we both kind of ran with our gut on a feeling that we had and, you know, we felt good about something specific and we stuck with it and and it panned out. Let me paint a picture of this parlay situation I found myself in this weekend, heading to Vegas this weekend for an anniversary trip with my beautiful girlfriend. Told Andy, hey, I'm going to be down there. I'm going to be able to go in, put a bet down at one of the sports books, stayed at the Venetian, very beautiful, very awesome. Had a sports book there. I'm like, I got to get a bet in. I got to have some awesome parlay or some like two, three, four game parlay to just, you know, I'm going to throw a hundred bucks down on something and we're going to have something to bet over the weekend. So we're talking about it for a while. I got, I got to try to like incorporate both ours. You know, maybe I'll do a parlay on all four games. So we're like talking it out. I realize based off our flights, when we're getting in all that stuff, we weren't getting in until three, missed out on the first game, had time to go in on the second game. So we got things figured out. We were talking about it. You're like, hey, Bills, Ravens over 48 and a half. They could very well easily both put up 30. It could be a crazy game. It's hammer the over on that one. Couple that with the Browns to cover. When we were we were talking about it, it was 10. Uh, when I ended up putting the bet in, it was nine and a half. And then the Bucks at plus three because it was a toss up. And it's one of those things that you feel good about, you know, betting on Brady's side. It's like betting with house money when when Brady is an underdog. So I go in and I go to get to the sports book and it is just packed through the house. The line of like probably 30 people long. And I was like, son of a bitch, can't wait in that line. It's not going to happen. So it's like, all right, well, I guess I'm not betting on the Bills game. We had dinner plans. Couldn't miss dinner. Reservations, whole nine. So couldn't wait in that long line to get that in. I was like, I'll come back later in the night or early first thing on Sunday, at least get the parlay of the Browns and the Bucks. Got the parlay of the Browns and the Bucks. Browns were minus nine and, or plus nine and a half. Bucks were plus three. Both of them hit. All right. Put a hundred bucks down, one three sixty off of it. Andy's keeping me updated throughout these games. And there was a point where the Browns were down by nine. Things were going weird. It was kind of back and forth. And then Mahomes goes down. I'm like, oh, this is great. And so that one covered. That was the one I was worried about too. So that one covers. Bucks games going on back and forth, back and forth. You tell me, Cook fumbles. They got the ball, and then Breeze threw a pick, and then they ended up like tying the game up. And then they went up, 
and they went up by three and kicked a field goal. And then I think the pick turned into a touchdown after that and they went up by 10. So great vibes all around. Got some bets in. I also could not leave town without letting my luck ride one last time. I want you to tell the folks what you suggested I do. Well, great story. And, and, and honestly, like of the three games I suggested, the most confident I was, was the Bills Ravens over. (laughs) And and that would have just ruined your parlay. So it's, it's a combination of that's how tough it is to bet. And also like, thank God you didn't take my advice. So (laughs) like super hot, like I think it was just the world saying, Hey, there's going to be 30 people in line. You're not going to be able to put this over in all good. Um, So when you got that in, I was like, okay, you know, thank goodness. But you cashed out. And I was like, dude, you basically, you put hundred bucks down. You're at 360. So plus 260 all in all. And I was like, well, you could just hammer a Super Bowl winner just because you're there. You know, like if I was in Tahoe, I would have done it. And, and you were in Vegas and it's legal to gamble and whatever. Right. So I was like, if you feel good about a team, do it. And then you're like, well, we would have to come back to Vegas to, to get our money or, or my money because it was all yours. And I was like, well, give me a second. Researched it. No big deal. They're like, Hey, on the back of the ticket, you can actually say, I'm not going to be here for the next 60 days and you need to mail my check to me. So I was like, perfect. There's the only reason you need, whether it's us going back to Vegas or you can just get this mail, this check if you win and cash out. So I was like, just so you know, you feel great about the bills plus three fifty. You can throw a hundred bucks on them and still be a winner. You know, even if you lose, even if they don't get to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, you can you can still be in in the green. So that's what I suggested. I was just encouraging you. I was just empowering you and saying, "Hey, think about it." You know, and and you're like, "I'm in." Yeah, and then you go into it looking at it. It's like Patrick Mahomes is in concussion protocol. You know, riding high off of this this three sixty. I already won. You know, got some had some good luck with that. Mahomes is hurt. We don't know if he'll be back. Concussion protocol. They could very well be marching into facing a Chad Henney. And that's just all, you know, almost like a, I'm not going to jinx it. It would be a very much more favorable matchup than playing Patrick Mahomes. Correct. Um, so, yeah, I was riding high off of that and and willing to throw down $100 on the Bills to win the Super Bowl. And that's what I did. Walked out of there with a plus 350, 100 bucks to win $350. The Bills win the Super Bowl. Y'all can jump and be excited for me because even if my bracket gets busted because green bay loses <laughs> i win some money yeah and and jump through a table if you guys want but yes. I, I think it's one of those things where you look at it and say even if mahomes plays he's still banged up with his turf toe so he's going to be limited in some capacity and then let's say the bills win if they win they're going to be probably either even or if, favorites in whoever wins the Packers bucks. So the only one, so they were the third most, I guess the third highest odds to win the Super Bowl because they had to go through Kansas city. And then it was the bucks. So it was basically like the bucks would have to beat the Packers and then they would have to play one of these two teams who they would be not favored against to win. So I'm like, if you can get past the chiefs, the bucks will probably be favored. If not, it'll be pick them. So anyways, super excited for that. Really, really something that we should be tracking yeah put it in paper right now if the bills win the super bowl i'll jump through a table that's that's all we needed to hear so <laughs> i'm going through a table bills mafia style 100 yeah bowl. i mean there's, there's no other 
thing you should do once you win that money. So yeah, my hospital copay is less than $350. So <laughs> that's a win already. Yeah. Well, that, it's exciting. And so, so it's great, good content. I mean, I think you know, it, it was cool that you were in Vegas and we were able to talk about it and be able to get in on some action. So excited that you won. So very good stuff. Let's move in a little bit to the running back class yes. for this year. So as we mentioned last week, we're introducing some content, you know, nothing um, Raider noteworthy that we should mention right now. So, you know, when it's kind of going into each position group, we want to start with, hey, like what are some really some traits, some things that you see in this new era of running backs that you want um, and, and not specifically with the Raiders. Cause you'd be like, well, you have Josh Jacobs. So we would need this, but like, if you were building a franchise, if you were the general manager who needed that RB one, what are some things you're looking at? So give us a breakdown just real quick, Micah, what do you, what are you looking for in a running back? If you were going to draft someone to be your guy? Well, I would say that the running back more than any other position probably has been devalued over the years. And so you know, people are finding a lot more value in the later rounds, you know, top end guys, you know, sometimes aren't as highly coveted or, you know, can be looked that way. So I think finding, being able to find a running back that can do it all, you know, being a running back that can literally be great in all facets of a game. I know that's very like, oh yeah, no duh. If you're good at everything, that's going to help. But at the running back position more so than ever, being able to be a guy who can take 20 plus carries and be a bell cow, but also catch the ball out of the backfield, be a receiver, be able to adjust to different spots um, and run routes and be able to take screens and do different things like that. While also being able to stand back there and just block for your quarterback, you know, being a three down back means being elite and elusive between the tackles outside of the tackles, being able to block for your quarterback and being someone that, you can dial up a pass play or a screen to, or being someone you can dump it off to if things get, you know, hairy inside the pocket. So I think just uh, really someone who can do everything, you know, a jack of all trades. And yeah, no, I, I agree. It's one of those things where it's it's been devalued. It's changed. The NFL has moved to more of a shotgun, spread the field, you know, and e- even some teams have been like our short passing game is our running game. You know, so that's where the devaluation of the running back has came into play, like you mentioned. So um, I I agree. I think, I think it's someone that needs to be able to stay on the field um, for all three downs. I think it's someone that needs to be able to run the ball efficiently, be able to catch the ball out of the backfield and be able to pass protect. And I think those are the three phases that, that needs to happen. You know, it's, it's not another thing to consider is that the reason the NFL went this way is because the NFL shifted towards more of the college game. So if you think about it, like, the college prospects are coming out and, and more geared towards that, but not as rounded, right? They, they do play a lot of like, who's, who's my short down back. Who's my guy that can do this. So rarely are teams going into the draft saying we need a RB one, you know, that's just not the case, you know, but you know, if you're going to look at it and you're going to assess like what's the overall traits that you want to have is it is that. So it's the three down aspect. I think you need to have running backs that can, that can do it all. Um, they need to be able to do the dirty things. They need to be able to be efficient too. You know, they need to be able to run through the tackles. They need to have enough speed to get to the edge. And, you know, it's all based on the system. So whether it's one cut, whether it's zone, um, I think contact balance is something I, I believe in. Um, and, and what that means is, is being, you know, when you do break through that first or second interior of the defense, you know, when you do take a hit, you can stay balanced and not just fall down. So um, this 
will be brought up later, but like Darren McFadden or even Latavius Murray, you know, someone that was on the Raiders, like very tall runners and very fast, but when they got touched, they just went straight down. So, um, and mostly backwards, but it's being able to have a low center of gravity, being able to take hits and still fall forward and be able to make something out of nothing. So, so similar to the quarterback position, being able to create um, that when it's not perfect is, is kind of something I look for. So that's my evaluation and it's a tough position to gauge and it's tough because it's just as much as a quarterback, it's all about fit. You know, I think you can see a lot of receivers, a lot of tight ends, a lot of DNs, you know, different positions on the field that can excel regardless of the scheme. Um, and in this sense, it's, you know, quarterbacks, running backs are heavily based on how they fit in the offense and how they're utilized. So they're, they're one of the more that are contingent on what, what's surrounding them. But I think it's one of those things where that's why you need someone that is well-rounded and can create when it's not perfect for them. So, you know, we're going to take six running backs here. We're going to go through them. I have one, three, and five. Micah has two, four, and six. We'll cut through them real quick. Anything else you want to mention until, you know, before we get into that? No, uh, I think you, you touched on a lot of great points as well. And I think that we can, you know, we, we I'm sure will, I know with the evaluations that I have, it, it touches on a lot of those things that we already talked about as well. So yeah. I think we can get uh, get right into it with your number one. Great. And, and, and once again, this is not like, you know, this, uh, you know, how we rank them is not based off of how, how they're going to be drafted. It's just like, Hey, we know the top guys. We also know the guys that are going to be talked about. So quarterbacks can sometimes be chalk, like we you know say a lot, but the running backs receivers, and then really once we get into the nitty gritty of all these different positions, there's going to be the top guys and there's going to be guys that you kind of funnel in. And it's more about who do you want to discuss and, and see who can, if they have a good pro day and, and the combine is non-existent, by the way, um, it's more virtual and it's more interviews and things like that. So um, who can stick out and who can be able to, when you really watch the tape, be able to fit within the scheme. So um, number one, I have the guy, Najee Harris, Alabama. He's a senior came back this year, 62, 230. He's in the two twenties um, listed at two thirty. Antioch, California, right up the road, right up highway four. Um, he's a Bay area guy, which is great, but he's the real deal, man. And, and he's, he's explosive. So, so some of my notes, I said, I said, explosive, I said, playmaking, um, and then really like, and I said, contact balance, right? So the, the explosiveness is obviously there. It's evident. Like he, so many touchdowns, so many carries, so many yards that he was able to contribute to an Alabama team that had Tua, that had Mac Jones, who they both threw for a ton of yards, but they put up so many points and he was such a big factor in that offense. But the playmaking side is more so what I'm talking about, where he's, he's able to create something out of nothing. You can see when it was rare that the Alabama offensive line got beat, he still was able to make one guy miss, two guys miss, three guys miss and get four yards when it should have been, you know, a minus four gain. Right. So it's like, he's someone that can, he's special. He can catch the ball very well out of the backfield I wouldn't say it's natural hands. I wouldn't say it's just like, oh, as if he's done it before, like he's a receiver in a sense, but he is so versatile. And I think he's so athletic that he can just, he can do that. And he showed that on the biggest stage. So he's very explosive. Um, He has this playmaking ability that the play's never done. Um, And so when you have someone like that, even if it's not a 40 yard run or a 17 yard burst, it's, it's something where, man, we got into the wrong set and the wrong call and, and he was able to create. So, um, and the contact balances is, is huge where 
he has such a big build. He's six, two, as I mentioned, and, and, and very girthy, but he's, he's explosive and he's athletic and he's, he's tough. So it's like, he'll, he'll take hits and he'll be able to work off of them and he'll be able to maintain his center of gravity. And it's so important because if you get hit hard, which will happen a ton in the NFL and be able to stay on track with where you're going, it's, it's so critical compared to just getting off kilter and spinning around and, and whatever. Right. So um, I think he, he's able to withstand those hits. Um, that's actually some of my concern with him because he's had 600 plus carries. So the question marks come into play where it's like, he's had, you know, there's not a ton of tread on the tires, right. Speaking your language right now, Micah, but he, he has a lot of carries and he came back for a senior year because it wasn't perfect. And he was probably going to be slotted as like RB two to four or whatever. But now he, I feel at least he's the clear consensus number one. So, but because of that, he has a lot of carries and he has a lot less tread on the tires, but um, another reason for concern is that is his running style. So he's very, he is aggressive. He does run angry. And, and, and so it's kind of like, is he going to be more, you know, prone to injuries or those physical connections that he's going to face at the NFL when they are bigger, faster, stronger, and they are looking for contact compared to um, Vanderbilt in the, in the SEC. But, um, and the, and the other thing too, is, is what I like to, at least look at is, is fit versus value. So do I think he fits in a lot of these teams? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think he, he proved it. He played in Alabama. He played in a team that was predominantly shotgun based and he was able to be efficient, but do they truly value him at that? Right. And so now we're talking like draft slot, how high is he going to go? But also like the way you can most utilize this, this individual is by giving him like we, you know, we say this all the time with Josh Jacobs, he needs 20 carries or he needs 20 touches at least. So whether that's 15 plus out of, you know, as, as a runner and, and then three to five as a passer, you know, pass catcher, then I'm not sure. So it's like our, our team's going to see the true value in him. Um, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. So um, that's where it's like, I think he's, he's the best one in this class. And I think it's a, a position that has been, the, the value has, has spiked downward a little bit and has been tainted at times um, just where the NFL is going, because you can find running backs in the third, fourth, fifth round that will fit your team and be able to be higher. That that's, that's the whole fit versus value thing. Right. But from a, you know, a a comparison and and I want to, I don't think I was clear last time, but when we do comparisons, it's more like high end, right? It's like, Hey, this is where at their best, this is where they can go. So I, I think he is a combination of like, Adrian Peterson and Matt Forte in a sense, right? So if if you look at AP was the best running back we've ever seen out of college, it was just like, no doubt, right? It it was just the best one we've ever seen outside of probably Barry Sanders and Bo Jackson. But the, the, the reason I compare him to Matt Forte also is, is, is both similar builds and it's not all about bill, but it's also about style. So both very um, aggressive, both very, you know, the size and style are, are similar. The explosiveness is more on the Adrian Peterson side, but the versatile usage and the fit is more about Mark, or sorry, Matt Forte, where he was in a, a Bears offense where he was utilized as, as a runner predominantly, but also very good out of the backfield, blocking, catching. And, and Najee has, has definitely excelled in that role, at least in the last 12 to 18 months with, with Alabama. So I think he's going to be, he's going to be great, but it's, it's a combination of the age, you know, he's going to be 23 entering the draft. 
it's, it's the carries. Um, but man, he's special. And I think he's going to have a great four to six years where he's one of the guys. And then he might based off of the factors that I mentioned earlier, slide into a highly effective running back with a team, but just where the NFL is going, it's, it's tough to evaluate the running back. So um, that's my sense on Najee. Um, I'll kick it to you to number two, unless you have anything to say about, about him as well. Nope. I think you've uh, really covered every basis on him. Like you said, he's a special, he's a special talent. The question mark there on, you know, how much life is left, but he's a special talent nonetheless. So uh, getting into number two, uh, Travis Etienne, five foot ten, two hundred five pounds, senior from the University of Clemson. He as well opted to come back for his senior year. Uh, he was expected to come out in the twenty twenty draft. A lot of people thought he would come out. He was in that same talks of you know being in that two to five range of one of the best, you know the running backs in last year's draft. He was kind of compared similar to like DeAndre Swift, and they were very similar type running backs and. Ultimately decided to come back, probably for the same reason. Saw that in this next draft, especially with a strong year, come in and be either the top guy or you know top two out of it. For him, you know some of his biggest strengths is just his speed and explosion. You know his top end speed. He's a high four threes, low four four kind of guy. Uh, he's very elusive. Uh, he's very shifty. Like you were saying with Najee, he's just got a big playability. He can break out for a big, big play at any moment. He is also very well-rounded. Um, he's very good in the in the receiving game as a pass catcher running back. He has, like you talked about, his contact balance is great. He can take a hit and roll off of it and really get through that first and sometimes second level and, and just break free. One of his biggest values in the NFL is, is going to be his ability to be a receiver out of the backfield. He's proven his ability to be a playmaker, is just as big catching the ball as it is running the ball. He can kind of do do anything. You can put him anywhere and he can be whatever he needs to be. And and you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of weaknesses. Um if he if he did have any, just kind of his patience and his vision running the ball. Probably more so around the fact that he is just so explosive with things and is so good at being shifty, making plays happen that he kind of gets ahead of his blockers and you know doesn't quite have the patience to let a hole open up you know, as much as it, it could potentially happen. And his pass blocking ability, he is kind of a smaller guy. Like we said, if you're going to be on the field or as a three down back, you're going to have to be able to pass block. Luckily, those two things, learning patience, learning, you know, to see things and, and being able to pass block is all stuff you can work on. You know, that's not like intangible stuff that's just never going to happen. Stuff you can work on at the higher level. He, by all accounts, is going to be he's a first round talent. Like I said, with the running backs, it's hard to really gauge things. People aren't taking running backs as high lately, and you've got first-round talents that are going high and mid in the second round. So he's a complete back. He, he's going to be able to be you know, featured back in the NFL. My player comp for him is going to be Alvin Kamara. I think you see someone who is just as effective in the run game as he is the pass game. You have an offense that is schemed up to not only get him the ball on the ground, but get him the ball in the air doing screen passes, um, and, and different different things just to get the ball in his hands. And I think that whichever team he goes to is going to be able to scheme in a way um, like you see the Saints scheme for Kamara. So like you said, comps are kind of on a high end of where they could be. With the comps, I kind of went in a way of like how you could see them being used in an offense as well. And, and I think Kamara's a, 
a good comparison is someone who's just kind of a do-it-all guy that, you know, a team relies on in, in every facet of their offense. So, Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's, that's exactly where I think ETN is, is he's someone who's, he's so explosive, um, maybe not a full rounded running back where in the sense where he can beat you with different things, but also, you know, the explosiveness and being able to capitalize on different things outside of the backfield that where he's not the feature guy. Right. I think that's what we're seeing where guys aren't the, the actual identity of the offense. And that's what Clemson runs and how ETN was, but he was still so productive and so impactful with that team. So, and that's what Kamara does. So I think you nailed it there with the comparison. So um, number three for me is, is um, Chuba Hubbard. So Oklahoma state, he's a junior um, six foot two Oh seven. Um, I think some of his strengths are really his vision. Um, and he has like this patience about him. So think Lev Bell in a sense of that patience where he, I think he's so confident in his speed and be able to, and, and, and hold on, just let me backtrack for a second. This is the big 12. Okay. This is the big 12 defense that he's going against. So he was very productive, outstanding there. Um, the big 12 defense leaves a lot to be desired in that sense, but what you noticed is that he, he would wait for holes to develop. He had great vision within um, the whole field, being able to see where he needs to attack. And he has so much speed that he can just really shoot and go. Right. So he can just shoot his gun and he takes off. So um, that that's the other thing is he um, he's electric. He has a ton of speed. He's able to hit the holes quick um, and be able to capitalize on, on utilizing his vision and his patience and being able to then, take his chances and then just go. So it's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the strengths I see. And I think that he can be an effective running back in that sense, you know, within the NFL and within different, you know, schemes as, as he falls in. But once again, it's always about fit. It's about value. And unfortunately, as crazy as these guys are, they're, they're going to drop, you know, they're going to drop because of really need value fit, et cetera. So, you know, some things that I, I have question marks is, is really it's his pass blocking. It's like, it's, and, and that's not, it's something that you can, and a lot of running backs have learned. I even think you take Jonathan Taylor, JK Dobbins, who were highly touted as running backs last year in this draft or in the draft from this previous year, where they had to learn that on the fly and they had to earn those reps to get on the field. And he's someone that can do it, but also his stature is not, you know, he's, he's six foot and, and two, you know, a little under two ten. So it's like, he's not going to be able to, to be relied on to actually pick up those blitzes and things like that. So it's more so the pass blocking is more about like, can you stay on the field for three downs? Can you stay on the field for two plus downs? Um, when really this is more of a pass reliant NFL that we live in. And once again, that always falls back to fit um, within each team. So that's a concern. Um, and, and really it's, it's, he's, he's best. It's similar to Najee's. It's like, he needs touches. He needs touches to get going. So it's like, where do you really see, his top end, you know, do you see him being someone that when, you know, are you taking this guy from college that you're like, wow, he was so impressive. And then, but then you have a, a, a team that throws the ball 35, 40 times a game. And like, can he actually capitalize on eight to 12 carries? Right. Which is probably what he's going to get the first half first full year of his of NFL. So just some things that I think that he will struggle with compared to ETN, as you talked about earlier, where he pick and choose, he can pick and choose and, and be able to, capitalize on different things where he's inserted in the offense and Najee where give him the ball, throw the ball to him and he's going to be fine. And um, it's just, he's a threat just being on the field. And Chuba is, is someone that you, when he's on the field, you kind of know what's going to happen, you know? So 
for him, it was tough to compare because I got some vibes of, it was like weird. It was like vibes of like DeMarco Murray, but DeMarco Murray was a little bit taller. He's more like six, two. And it's not about size, as I mentioned with the quarterbacks, but like style, it was like patient. It was fast. It was downhill. You know, this isn't because Chuba went to Oklahoma state and Murray went to Oklahoma. It was just like, I think their styles are very similar where it was straight line speed and, and being able to be patient and be able to see the gaps and take off. So I think those styles are similar. Um, and then also the fact that they weren't true three down backs. Once again, this isn't the exact same thing, but Chris Johnson was the same way where it was, he was heavily based on his vision and timing and the speed isn't like Chris Johnson was a four, two, but Chuba is a four, three. So it's like similar top end speed, similar, burst and acceleration, but Chris Johnson was able to carve a role into that Titans offense and be actually, you know, productive. And I think if Chuba can do that, I think it's, it's some, something similar, but you know, CJ2K is, is, is a little different breed, but I, I can see some kind of that mix between those two. And that's kind of where I'm going with, with the comparison and, and more so how they fit within the team and, and what you can expect. So that's my thing about Chuba. Number four, kick it over to you. Grandmaster McDonald. Number four, uh, Michael Carter, senior at a university in North Carolina, 5'8", 200 pounds. He was part of a two-headed monster in 2020, and they really came on, both him and Javante Williams, uh, both came on as big-time studs this year. Michael Carter was kind of the agile, finesse guy. Uh, Javante Williams was more of the big bruiser, ground-and-pound kind of guy. Also, one of the guys that's in the mix for top seven top 10 running back this year his biggest thing like i said he was the agile and finesse guy his uh his agility and his elusiveness was uh, off the charts he was shifty he was you know with the ball in his hands he made he made plays happen and, and he could one cut two cut and just was gone um he was very great in pass catching and his route running is a lot more advanced than javante williams who actually had better stats when it came to as a receiving back. But as far as it translates into the NFL, uh, Michael Carter has better, more of a, more of a route running ability. Um, There's a lot better. And, and he was just overall out of the backfield is where his strengths are going to kind of come into play in the NFL. Biggest weaknesses for him. He's not that big of a guy, you know, he's not going to be someone who's going to pound it up the middle. He's not going to be someone who's probably going to be able to take 20 plus carries a game. His pass blocking isn't the greatest. He was asked, he wasn't asked to do much of it. With the two-headed monster they had, it was, you know, he kind of had his role and he excelled in it. His consistency with seeing the field as it unfolded, seeing holes and stuff like that was kind of wishy-washy throughout the year. His player comp that I have for him, once again, kind of more so how I see his role panning out in the NFL is going to be Devin Singletary. I think Devin Singletary came in and they were expecting him to kind of be that bell cow kind of guy and realize he wasn't necessarily cut out for uh, ground and pounding it, taking 20 plus carries and, and being, being that guy was taking every carry. They ended up drafting Zach Moss. Uh, the bills did to kind of spell him a little bit, but being someone who can carry the ball, if you need him to carry it, 10, 15 plus times, but is really going to excel in the passing game, getting him schemed up for screens, uh, little bubble routes, dump off stuff like that is where he's going to exceed. 
he's got some talent to potentially be a featured back, but he's probably going to be more so one of those guys that works best as a complimentary back, a change of pace back, third down guy um, that excels more when schemed up to get him get him the ball. So, yep. It's tough. Like it, it's because, you know, it's each team is going to look at this different. You know, each fan base is going to look at these guys different. So outside of really Najee Harris and ETN, you're going to be like, well, pick and choose who you, who you value. So that's why it's, it's hard to evaluate this, this core from, you know, 32 teams perspective. So you have to be just like, Hey, this is who we think of the guys and, and mostly what's going to be effective. So um, great job there. I think it's, it's spot on with, with kind of what I'm thinking too. And, and how am I assessing? So I'll go into number five and that's Trey Sermon. So the fans will probably be more on, on the wagon of Trey Sermon recently, but like he was an Oklahoma transfer um, started there and then moved over to Ohio state um, and really came on a lot, you know, and, and Ohio state only played six games. So didn't see a ton from him. Right. So he's someone that, you know, he's a junior. He, he declared, I would say like a week and a half ago and, Six foot, 221. Um, I think he's, he's explosive. He's shown some signs to be able to take over the game. They're a pass first team, and he's been able to work well out of shotgun and be able to find his holes and be able to take advantage of it and, and take off, you know. So he's explosive. Um, I think he has tremendous contact balance. I think um, that's something that I'm, I, I highly value, at least because the reason I value it so much is because of, of what you're asking your running back to do is like, hey, you're not going to get the ball 30 times unless you're a dude, right. Unless you're a certain person, Derek Henry or, or whatever it may be. So uh, if you're going to get the ball 25, 30 touches, then or if you're not going to get it that much, you better be able to take advantage of the times that you do. And so when it does work, can you take advantage of it? When it does work and someone gets a lick on you, someone gets a hand on you, someone gets, you know, some, something to not really form tackle you, but be able to hit you a little bit. Can you stay on the course? And he has tremendous um, contact balance from my, vantage point. And then the, the other thing is momentum, right? It's like, you don't need to be this four-year star and be able to someone like set records and college football, you know, semifinalists for the Heisman or anything like that, Doak Walker award or anything, you know, it's like, you don't have to, you know, be this trailblazer, but you do need to have some momentum. And that's what he does, you know, outside of that injury that derailed him from that game um, against Bama, you know, he's, he was great and he was great late and being great late is, awesome and in front of NFL evaluators. So I think you'll see his stock um, really shoot up because of the fact that the injury is not serious. Um, It's it's someone that did accelerate in an NFL ready offense. So the fit scheme is going to be there. So he will be valued a little bit higher, but some of my concerns is, is, is he a true three down running back? I don't think he showed that. I don't think he had enough tape to show that. So that's a concern. Um, another concern is, is the injury history. It's like, okay, well, we only saw so much tape. So when we did see it, we saw you get injured and we saw certain things where um, you weren't able to fully participate. So, you know, I, once again, I, I mentioned it wasn't serious and it's not, but it's also something that you should consider and, and say, can this guy withstand a certain amount of touches, but I don't even think that's how they're going to be looking at him as a prospect, you know? So, I was, I was a little up in the air about my comparison here, but I think I'm just going to drive on home and I'm going to say he's like a Josh Jacobs. He's someone that came on later. He's someone that doesn't, you know, he didn't get a ton of carries. He was a backup. He was a transfer. He was someone that um, really flashed late and flashed some potential enough to be taken in the first round, which is what Josh Jacobs was at 24. And, and I don't think Trey Sermon's going to be taken that high, but I think he's going to be taken higher than 
anyone could have imagined if you looked at his tape two years ago. So I think he has that in his arsenal. And I think it's going to be something that's going to benefit him, but also really it's going to be, you know, Jacobs can gash you. Jacobs can take you for seven to eight here. And then, Oh, here's 15 to 18. You know what I'm saying? And, and then also like when something gets sniffed out, he's able to fall forward for three yards. And I think that's what sermon is not a lot of top end speed. Um, not someone that is super explosive out of the backfield when it's, in passing situations, I think he can pick out the blitz, but I don't think he's a threat like ETN is, like a Kamara, like you mentioned. So I don't think he has that. So he's not a true natural three-down running back, and I don't think Jacobs is either. Sorry, I think that's that's the case. So um, that's kind of where I go with my comparison. I think that's what his you know his stock is going towards. I think he'll be a second to third rounder, and in the right fit. It, unfortunately, that's what it is. It's like it, if it's the right fit, I think he can do very well. And, and I'm really pulling for him. I think he's someone that capitalized on his opportunity and, and I hope he does the best, you know, but or I hope he does as well as he can for, for the situation. And I'm rooting for him, but you know, he's, he's a good dude. And I think he's someone that can really benefit this more so college based NFL that we're used to and, and be able to, to run with it. So that's what I got for him. Take us home. Number six. Yeah. Number six, I got Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, he is 5'11", 190-pound redshirt sophomore out of the University of Memphis. I think this guy here in the running back class is going to be the one guy, kind of like we talked about with Trey Lance a little bit, where uh, the recency bias is going to kind of hurt him a little bit. He had a very explosive 2019 season, 1,400-plus rushing yards and 13 touchdowns, 600-plus receiving yards and three touchdowns. He ended up opting out of the 2020 season a couple weeks before the season was about to start for Memphis. He lost four of his family members to COVID-19, and he made that decision that he didn't want to risk it, didn't want to risk putting his teammates in that kind of situation, putting the rest of his family in that kind of situation. You know, at the end of the 2019 season, some people kind of thought Najee was going to go into the draft. Some people thought ETN was going to go into the draft. By all accounts, they he this guy was potentially going to be their RB1 going into uh, the 2020 season and whatnot. So some of his biggest strengths I got down, he's a top-tier receiving back. He can play in the slot. He could play out wide if you want to split him out wide as a running back. His route running ability is unbelievable. The way he can get in and out of his routes quickly. He also runs like he's 220. He's not afraid of contact. He will lower his shoulder and try to run through somebody. He doesn't have the greatest contact balance like we talked about before, and that's more so due to his size in general. But he's got good vision. He's very elusive and just overall advanced in the route tree, which there's receivers that come into the draft where you're like, he's very limited in a route tree. If you got a running back that is very good at the route tree, can run a lot of routes, that's fantastic because there's a lot of receivers that aren't even going into the draft, at least being able to run five, six, seven different, you know, extensions of the route tree. So some of his biggest weaknesses, though, like I said, his size, he needs to bulk up if he's going to be able to try to be any type of featured back in the NFL. There's not a whole lot of pass blocking ability at 190 pounds. He's pretty small for the most part, but uh, also he's got very minimal tape. Like I said, redshirt sophomore, he's only played two years total, essentially. He got two years worth of tape. One of them, uh, like I said, 2019, he bust on the scene. You don't really know, you know, a whole lot about can he do that two years in a row? Is he going to be able to jump to the next level and be able to produce like he did in college? My player comp for him, 
like we said, very high end. I tend to lean towards how he's going to be used uh, and, and where he could potentially be. But player comp for him, Christian McCaffrey. And that's very high praise when you're looking at it and be like, this guy can be Christian McCaffrey. Not saying he's going to be that good of a running back in the NFL, but you see someone who is dynamic with the ball in his hand can make plays, uh, whether that's in the slot running bubble screens or quick slants over the middle, you know, as a receiver, whether that's get handing the ball off to him doing draws or, or just getting the ball in his hands, regardless, he's going to make plays. He's fast enough to outrun anybody. Uh, he can make things happen. Um, when he's in open space and you just got to get him the ball and, and, and he'll make the rest work. So uh, obviously Christian McCaffrey, huge, huge high end spot for him, but that's the type of player he's going to be within an offense, given the right system, given the right situation. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, he's, he's not going to be Christian McCaffrey, but how he's used will be right. So I think it's very fair to say, and, and hopefully he is Christian McCaffrey. So um, well, let's close this out with some hits and misses. Um, something that we did last week, you know, we'll just quickly run through it where some guys that we felt pretty dang good about that we missed on and, and some guys that we were pounding the table and, and we were right about, or they were like, Hey, this, he's, they're not going to be that great. So um, I'm just going to go strictly misses because um, I might've bagged on my guy a little bit, Louie, you know, and I'm sorry. No, I'm not really sorry, but like, I'm just like, Hey man, it's not about me. Um, I just thought it was an opportunity to tell a story. So um, here are some big misses I had. Darren McFadden, fourth overall. Um, I was like, yes, we finally have our running back. Raiders took him, obviously. Didn't work out um, for a number of reasons, but he was someone that I was like, no doubt this guy's going to be great. And in conjunction with the fourth overall pick, Leonard Fournette, all I saw was highlights of him in it was probably eighth grade or high school where he was just like throwing guys through the field. And it was just like, wow, this guy's incredible. He went to LSU, nothing changed. He just killed people. He looked just like a grown man um, among children for a long time of it. And then, you know, he's went to Jacksonville, had a couple good years, ended up going to, he got cut, went to the bucks um, and he's playoff Lenny now, but um, he, he was someone that I was like, this, this is going to be a guy for years, top five NFL running back for, 10 to 15 years. And he wasn't, I think the game changed um, and he didn't, or that's just who he was. So um, I missed there. And the last one, um, just a, a fun one, CJ Spiller out of Clemson. I was like, this dude is awesome. It, it was similar to my Jake locker of last week where I was like, this dude's fun to watch and he's fast and he's super exciting. And it's great. The bills took him number nine overall. And I was like, dude, nice. He was bad. He was not good. It was like, basically a mini me of Reggie Bush, where it was like, you're going to be excellent. Um, Reggie Bush had a, a way better college career than Spiller from a hype wise, but he, he was drafted similarly to do similar things and he couldn't. And I, but I was all over him. And so I missed a ton on the running backs, not a ton that I I'm like, Oh, I, I felt good about certain guys, but it's like the top end wasn't really there. So I'm just diving on my misses, diving on those, those grenades. And, and that's kind of where I'm at. So what about you? I know you got you got one for us for your your running back misses or hits. Up to you. Your call. I'm going to keep on the trend of misses, and I'm going to go with Wisconsin running back Monte Ball. I remember being really big on him because really mainly because he tied Barry Sanders' record for uh, touchdowns scored in a single season, and that was 39 touchdowns. He ended that season with 
1,923 rushing yards, 33 rushing touchdowns, 306 receiving yards, and six receiving touchdowns, and just completely went off. And it was like, this dude, I'll be 100, 100% transparent and say I never really even heard of him much prior to that season. But dude was going off. He was just scoring touchdowns left and right. He was just a full head of steam downhill, and I was, like, on the train. I'm like, this dude's going to be legit. He was taken by the Broncos. I'm not even positive that he made it out of his, like, second or third year on the team and just fizzled away into nothing. But that is my running back miss. I was big time on it, ready to roll with him, and it just faded out quick. Yeah. I mean, I think Wisconsin running backs are tough because they get the ball 80 times a game. I, I was telling you earlier that I was a big Ron Dane guy too, but lo and behold, he was not Jamal Lewis. Like I thought he would be, um, <laughs> but there it is. I mean, there's, there's some content and I hope everyone enjoys it. I hope everyone is able to take something away from this. Um, it's not easy to really be able to dive in because we want to have this open-mindedness and not so much a Raider favoritism, you know, and be able to just give you the facts and give you some prospects that you should be looking out to. And there's a lot of good prospects um, on all these positions that we're going to be uncovering and some get talked about more than others. And um, hopefully it, it gives you some good content to go off of and, and really whatever team you support, you're able to just say, Hey, I think I could, you know, see this guy fitting into our offense. So good job, Micah, really enjoy this stuff. And, and I'm excited. So we got a big weekend ahead of us. AFC NFC championship bucks Packers first game on Sunday. And then we have the bills at the chiefs. It's going to be electric. Oh, yeah. Mortal locks are going to be tough. Both lines are actually the same um, spoiler alert. So we'll, we'll get into our picks. We'll, you know, we, we did touch on our picks from last week and kind of what our predictions were, but we're doing pretty well. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to see how it goes this weekend. I think it's just going to be, I think, I, I truly think these are the four most exciting teams left. Um, it's going to just create some good NFL content. So I'm excited for it. Um, but that's all I have. Raider Nation, love you guys. Excited to see where this podcast goes with our draft content, with the guests that we have potentially lined up in the future. Um, it's going to be fun, and I'm, I'm excited to keep rolling here. So love you guys. Micah, take care. And now for something completely different. We are back for the second half of our double feature episode. First, just want to start off by saying, Sorry for the weirdness this week. Uh, We decided to switch some things up a little bit. We wanted to give you a two-part episode. We have been contemplating the idea of getting into the off-season, doing maybe one episode a week to give you more content, but also not have to stretch it thin by getting two of them out in the beginning of the week, at the end of the week. So we're workshopping some ideas. We appreciate the support you guys give us. We appreciate you riding with us through these things that we're tinkering with. Uh, but we will release some more information on that later down the road. We still got some playoff football to go over, and uh, we can get right into this weekend's games. How are things going for you? Doing well. Things are different these days. Um, you know, we're trying to refine the process a little bit here um, and get some good content, you know, changes might be more in effect after the Super Bowl, but still be able to provide some Raider news, some Raider content, um, some draft content as we break it down and have started that process as well. So quick little um, rundown here. We're going to just going to get right into the games. Um, I'm going to take one of the games um, and Michael will take the other. We'll, we'll share some thoughts, share some predictions. We'll get into our mortal locks and take you home on this double feature pod. So I will, I guess I will start um, because I have the first game. And so that is, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to the Green Bay Packers Lambeau field in January. It's a tough environment out there, but you know, this is old school football as much as it can be at least. So 
it's going to be a good matchup. Currently the Packers are favored by three um, at home. So talk about it all the time. You know, that's Vegas basically saying it's a pick them with Green Bay having home field advantage. So, you know, really it's, it's, it's a matchup of two quarterbacks that we've been waiting to see, you know, Brady moves over to the NFC, him and Rogers, you know, top two in that conference at least. Um, and so it's, that's going to be exciting. I think this whole weekend of Brady Rogers, Mahomes, Allen is just so great for, for everything, for football, for us, for the QB lovers out there. So um, it'll be a good matchup. I think, you know, some things that the Packers are able to do well um, is really, they've been on fire. Aaron Rodgers have been on fire. That, that's not news to anyone, but, you know, they have been more balanced. Aaron Jones has been really effective. Jamal Williams, second running back in that tandem. So they have a good two-headed monster. And so they've been able to mix things up, you know, have Rodgers make the calls and the checks, the line and into the right the right formation or the right call. Um, I think Devontae Adams is, is obviously someone to look at. He he had his way with Jalen Ramsey last week. That was a lot of um, a lot of noise kind of going into the game. Who's going to have the better advantage there? But he he kind of tore him up and you know got into the end zone, had his way a little bit. So that's going to be a matchup for that Tampa Bay secondary that I think they can exploit. Um, something that's not in the Packers' favor really is is the is the run game, even though it is balanced. That you know the Bucks D line is is such a strength. So good luck running on them. They have a stout you know front three with those three guys, and really you know those backers with Devin White. Vontae David, those guys are, you don't want to mess with them. So it's like they're, they're big up front. So it's tough to run up the middle. And then you want to run some stretch plays, go sideline to sideline. Good luck with those backers. So um, ultimately it's, there's, it's sometimes strengths for strength, but you know, it's playoff football. So you got to adapt. And I think, you know, going back to the Bucks Packers game where the Packers got blown out in Tampa Bay, a lot of, you know, once they couldn't establish the run, they got into just more deeper dropbacks and longer, um, you know, deeper routes really with the receivers. And I just don't think that plays well. Their D line is good and they sacked Rogers four times that game. Um, and so it's one of those things where, you know, maybe their run game is short passes, you know, maybe they're, um, they're able to dice them up between, you know, between the hashes, you know, six to six to eight yards, you know, and then start doing some quicker routes that it's able to set up double moves down the field. So I, I would take a look at that if the Packers aren't able to establish the run early you know, that they shift more so to Kansas city does that a lot where if they can't get the run game going, they'll just do quick passes and that's really their run game. So I'm going to be looking at that this week. I think it's a good matchup. And I think the bucks, you know, we talked about it last week. I think they found their identity. They, they kind of know who they want to be. They shifted a little bit last week and started kind of being a bully to the saints and running the ball. It was basically 50, 50 run pass, which is, you know, not something that they're, that they have been accustomed to the last five, five, six weeks, but they were able to, you know, establish a run and be, be bullies and, they came out victorious. So um, obviously a lot of that was because defense caused a turnover. So, you know, obviously the turnover margin is something to look at in this game with two stout, you know, offenses and, and some, you know, solid defense to boot. So, you know, ultimately it's, it's going to be a good game on, on overall. It's just a great matchup to watch two of the best to ever do it face off against each other. And we'll see how it goes. I, I think this is one of those things where, you know, Brady's legacy is already there. I think he has, his six rings, he's going on seven. And obviously he's as competitive as anyone is out there. But I think this is, you know, one of those games for Rogers that's going to mean a lot to his legacy. And this is something where, you know, the torch can be passed finally on, on that. Not to say that Rogers is the GOAT, but there's an argument to be made that he's probably the most talented quarterback in history with his arm talent, with how smart he is, different things like that. So I think it'll be, it'll be fun. There's a lot of stuff at stake here, but I got to roll with the Packers. It was my prediction from the beginning that they would get through the, the NFC. And, and 
they're at home. They got Rodgers. They got a lot of things favoring them, but this is probably their toughest matchup that they're going to face. And this is going to be the biggest hurdle they have, they've had to have faced uh, up to this point. So I'm rolling Packers. We'll get into my, you know, the more locks here, but any thoughts initially off that? No, I think you uh, really covered all the basis on that. You know, it's going to be a great game with two of the greatest vets to ever play the game and, and that are in the NFL still right now. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic. And the opposite game, you know, you got two of the young guys uh, that are coming up in the league. So it's a great weekend for this. I think this is going to be uh, very well could be the best game out of the two of them just because it's going to be a lot of old school football. And, you know, it's going to see Brady versus Rodgers, you know, might come down to who has the ball last. So going to be a good game can't wait for it well good um well hey take us home with this this last game it's i mean you could debate which one's more exciting but this doesn't lack star power by any means so we have the bills on the road against the chiefs um i know there's some question marks around Mahomes' availability he's been going through concussion protocol been limited but we have um, the chiefs are favored by three as well once again because i think it's the Mahomes question mark is why the line's so low but something to consider and keep tabs on even if he plays is he going to be 100 percent um, it's more if he clears concussion protocol, he still has that foot issue, which I'm sure you'll get into a little bit. So thoughts on that game overall, Bills at Chiefs. Yeah, going into this game, like I said, you know, we got the we got the two young guys facing off and uh, it's going to be a fantastic game. The Chiefs, uh, I believe right now are favored by three as well. You know, um, it is going to be kind of contingent on Patrick Mahomes playing. Like you said, he's dealing with the, you know, was, did he get a concussion? Did he not get a concussion? He's kind of was in the protocol, did have a toe thing going on as well. I know that he was limited in practice this whole week. Take that for what it's worth. I find it hard pressed that Patrick Mahomes isn't going to play unless it is one of those things where he didn't officially make it through protocol and like legally can't play in the, you know, in this game. But yeah, they are, you know, the Chiefs are dealing with a, a a few other injuries as well. Um, Clyde Edwards, a layer, uh, you know, he was out last game. He's got a hip and an ankle thing going on, which uh, for those of you that aren't aware, that's very important for a football player, let alone a running back to have a working hip and a working ankle. They also got uh Brashad Breeland possibly out their best cornerback. And that's going to be a big thing going against the bills. Cause we know Stefan Diggs has been all but unstoppable uh, in the playoff run and, and really the, the whole season and the later half of the season. So it's going to come down to the, I feel like this is going to be a very high scoring game, you know, potentially a shootout as well, especially if Mahomes plays. We also thought that with Lamar Jackson and uh, Josh Allen facing each other and that didn't pan out, but the Chiefs defense isn't as good as Baltimore's defense. So I could very well see Josh Allen going out there, slinging it, having a great game. And, you know, Mahomes is Mahomes and Chiefs are the Chiefs, and they can put up points at any point in time, you know, however they need to, when they need to, uh, essentially. So this is going to be a really, really good game, a really exciting game. I think we're in uh, for excitement, you know, in both games and, you know, some high, high-powered offenses going at each other. I think that it's going to come down to – essentially which defense breaks first and which offense has the more turnovers or the costly turnover or timely turnover and you know whether the other team can take advantage of it but I don't see there being a whole lot of, of things where you know one team is just turning the ball over a lot more than the other I think it could could come down to one interception by either one of the teams or one fumble late in the game and you know that's the difference between a win and a loss but as everyone is aware I am full-fledged on Bill's Mafia right now. Got some money on the stake with Bill's Mafia, so I am running with the Bills in this game. I think they will beat the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a very close game, very exciting game. Like I said, 
you know, there is a chance that Chad Henney has to go out there and play quarterback. And, and that's going to be, you know, obviously a huge boost for the Bills if that ends up happening. But nonetheless, I got the Bills winning, uh, which automatically means they cover as well. My score prediction is going to be 28-24. Bills get the W, go into the Super Bowl facing Green Bay as well, like I predicted too. Um, so we both are on that Green Bay train. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, we're going to see both these teams. Obviously, the Chiefs are ready. They won a Super Bowl and everything. But the Bills coming along, competing in the playoffs for years to come. And this is going to be a great indication on, on what we get to see in the future as well. So Bills come out with a W. Not super confident in that, but I'm confident in how hot Josh Allen is right now, how the Bills are. And Bills haven't played their best game yet this year. So their defense didn't do that great against the Colts. Their offense didn't do all that fantastic against the Ravens. They put them both together, man. Watch out. Yeah. No, I think two things to note about where you're at is, number one, you you do have money on the line for the Bills. But once again, this is house money, so it's different. You hit your parlay, and there's nothing better than just you cashed out. You still made money along with putting money down, you know. So you're, you're banking on house money right now. So not to say that it's going to, you know, you're going to lose. But even if you lose, it makes it a little bit easier because you already won. You're already a winner in my heart. So Exactly. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, the second point is – Here's where you're not favored um, is the fact that because of the Mahomes injury, this line is closer than it probably should. I think the Packers, you know, Packers bucks, because there's no significant injuries. It's pretty true. You know, it's pretty true line. I think if Mahomes was healthy, so this could favor you or could not favor you, but if, if Mahomes was just healthy, I would see this being more like three and a half or four. Um, so you get a little extra juice for your mortal lock, but because the worry is that he just comes back and he's just, fine. He's hundred percent. And then it's, you know, whatever. So from a moral lock or betting standpoint, that's, that's where it might be unfortunate, but it's not going to be by much. Right. But so overall Bill's mafia, you got to ride um, my mortal lock. I'm not competing with you this week. I'm going, I'm going Packers. I'm going Packers minus three. Don't feel great about it. I feel about as much confidence as that Bill's Ravens game um, that we had to predict. So I'm going, I'm going Packers minus three. I think, um, you know, a four point differential like you had with that game is, is what I'm going to roll with too. I'm going to go 31, 27. Um, I would just look out for in these two games that everyone's playing. Like it's obviously it could be their last game of the year, but like, so check for some fourth downs that they just go for where they usually punt check for two point conversions, depending on the conditions out there. So that's what makes the score predicting tough, but I'm going to go 31, 27 Packers and, and we're riding. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. I love it. Like you kind of alluded to, my mortal lock kind of mentioned it, but I'm going bills. You know, they, they've got a, a plus three right now. I'm picking them to win. So I obviously got to take them to cover, you know, there's a lot at stake, not only in the money situation, but for the RTP readers, listeners, subscribers out there, because um, like I mentioned earlier, I'm going through a table if the bills win the Super Bowl. you know, we're going bills mafia style. We're going through a fold out table. So there's a lot on the line there too, but excited about this weekend, excited about these games coming up and, you know, the, just kind of the stakes we got in it and just for, you know, good football to be played still. Yeah. I didn't even realize this until you, and cause you've mentioned this a couple of times, but my wife's not going to be happy to hear this, but we just bought a, like a, a foldout table, right? like an act, like a white, you know, foldout table just for, for company, for, for things that we need. But if that's handy and we're watching the Super Bowl together, then I might risk it. I might risk it all. Cause it's so worth it. Yeah. Um, or else we're going to have to, 
I'm either gonna have to find a new place to live or we're gonna have to find a table for you. Well, so. yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be up 350 bucks. So I don't mind dropping $24 <laughs> for a fold-out table at Home Depot, so. Okay, well, thanks. Well, it's exciting. You know, I'm excited for this weekend. It's gonna be fun. Um, the game just keep getting better. And I like that just the matchups make it so worth it. It's two great matchups. There's nothing worse than an underdog that gets in there for no reason. Um, it's fun, fun to see the underdogs win, but really when you're talking about the best kind of viewing, the best content for the NFL, this is it, so. I'm excited, man. It's going to be fun, but that's all I got. Raider Nation, um, you know, looking forward to our new structure here, um, more so draft stuff, some Raider stuff, and we can really start, you know, turning turning a little bit um, of the of the gears, you know, put, pushing the gears a little bit down here and, and um, from a time standpoint, but more so keeping the same content and getting into, you know, true off-season mode as we get ready for the new year or the new season here. Yeah, as always, share, subscribe, rate, review. Give us those five stars. We appreciate the love. Like I said, we appreciate you guys rolling with us as we adjust some things and, you know, continue to show the love and continue to support the RTP podcast. So as always, love you guys. Appreciate you. See you next time. Better Nation, stand up. Love you guys. Micah, peace out, Ombre. Later.